This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, do kinky people face discrimination? Like, do you share your sexual practices with your coworkers? What if you're into some alternative form of sexuality, be it kink, BDSM, could be you're a swinger or a polyamory, you're in a polyamorous relationship, open relationship. Do you keep that, do you not share that out of fear of being discriminated against? So we're going to talk about that tonight with my uh, kink panel. Pierre and Catherine of BDSMCircle.com are here. Dane Stewart, who's an advocate for the human pup community. He's an artist and founder of Talking Dog Productions. And Gary Major, a longtime kinkster into body modification and works at Mr. Bear, a fetish store in the village. So I just want to uh, share a little bit of an article, you guys. Um, and this was the headline, Kinky People Face a Different Kind of Workplace Discrimination. For many folks in the BDSM or kink community, how much you share about yourself is an awkward dance that can put you in danger. I want to just add, up until 2013, BDSM practices were found in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental and Physical Disorders, meaning that if anyone knew about your involvement with BDSM, you could be considered mentally ill back then. Uh, before uh, BDSM's removal from the manual, there were serious consequences for kinky people, such as parents being deemed unfit as a result of their BDSM um, activities, right? So, uh, of course, we've taken that out and we don't have to, we don't worry about the mental illness factor of this because it's no longer there. But while these policy changes were important steps to legitimizing the community, societal acceptance did not really follow suit with all of this. Uh, so it's one thing to choose to share your private life with friends, uh, but many folks in the BDSM community experience anxiety and fear about being outed by someone else without their permission. Something as simple as catching a glimpse at your phone screen can tip someone off to one's involvement with the community and put them in danger. What if your employer found out about your kinky lifestyle? Many fear they could lose their job or risk hostility in the work environment. So I want to ask the panel here uh, <laughs> how each of you has either experienced this. Have you feared this? Do you know of people who have had this as an issue? Catherine? Well, certainly. Um, you, well, I, how about you? What's your own experience okay, about being out Okay, my experience, um, it, it's been kind of the range. Uh, when I was, uh, working at a place when, uh, Kink came out, and so it was on TV. You mean Kink the show? Yeah, yeah the, the show, yeah. TV mm -hmm. show Kink, and, uh, various, various other things we've done. And so I've been recognized. Right, you so, were on that show. You and Pierre were on that show as one of the yes, couples featured exactly. there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, unbeknownst to me, there was actually groups that were getting together at the East End of Montreal. It was only on the, the free, uh, or the cable on some and not the other. So they were getting together at people's houses to watch it every week. Okay. Um, and most of them wouldn't say anything to me. It was when I tried to go to the bathroom. Uh, so on my way to the bathroom, if I were to go in between like break times, there would often, and I mean often, be somebody waiting 
outside the bathroom so they could get me privately to tell me about their experiences. No and way. I, oh, yeah. I learned, you know, and I didn't want to know what the guy in the warehouse was doing or the guy in accounting. And um, So it was really interesting because people would kind of come out to me. I had a few people that were a little aggressive. Um, and um, like, you do that? Oh, my God, right? And it's like I would just say, like, you don't have a, a life outside of here? Really? Is right. this everything in your life? And, and they would pretty much shut up. Um, what's interesting is, is we have um, quite a few friends in Ottawa who um, many of them work for the government. Mm-hmm. Some of them are in um, positions where it's, it's uh, you know, the security is, uh, is uh, you know, a major factor, national yeah. security mm-hmm. is an issue. And it is fine as long as they're out and open about it. So you they know, have to tell. They have to tell. They have to tell their superiors, at least. Even if they haven't told uh, people in the office, they don't have to, like, you know, oh, hi, I'm a dom, or I'm into this, right? Right. Um, but it cannot be something that's hidden in their life, because then they can be blackmailed. Is So it's not a security uh, issue if you're out about it. But if you're trying to keep it all private, you know, your family doesn't know and, and things like that, then you can be blackmailed and now you're security risk. And that's when huh. it's a problem. Interesting. Dane, have you ever faced anything of the sort? Uh, well, it's something that I've thought about uh, quite a bit uh, in terms of how public I've made my identity and my kinky lifestyle. Um, I'm a young professional and I uh, work in... Well, I won't say exactly where I work right now. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, uh, in applying for jobs, I know that if people Google my name, they're able to find out some of the the kinky community organizing that I've done, right. some of the kinky artistic work that I've done. Um, so honestly, I don't know if uh, if I have faced discrimination on the basis of my my kinky practices. It's definitely possible that I've sent out job applications. People have Googled me, and they've chosen not to select right. me based on what they what they find. Um, but it. It, it is something that I, I, I think is important, uh, for me to do is to be public, uh, about this because that's how we change representation. That's mm-hmm. how we change public opinion is by being present, by being out there and by talking to people about this openly and honestly. It's still courageous though because there is the risk. There is the risk, and you know I've definitely taken on some of that risk. But there are ways that people can mitigate this as well, especially in the age of social media. I know a lot of people in the kink world uh, will have a second profile on social media sites where they might use a pseudonym or something, and that's the profile that they'll use to uh, befriend other kinksters and mm-hmm. and follow kinky events. And then they have this uh, public-facing profile where they'll invite their colleagues, their coworkers, that sort of thing. Right, but yeah. you still have to. You're trying to maintain this double life. Yeah, in and a it's, way, right? Even if it's your double social media life, it's a cover for the other one, in well, some ways. Yes and no. I mean, it's who you are. It's it's you know what? Um, it's like I'm, I, I have like a hobby club that I would go to, mm-hmm. and when I'm at the hobby club, I'm not being a dom, right? It's like you know, there's moms there that not are not being a mom. Or you're not at work. It's it's just a different aspect of your life. You're not a kingster twenty four seven, is what you're saying. Well, I'm always a kingster, but Inside. that's not what's what's the part of me that I'm I'm doing right then. Right. You know. Right. That makes sense. And in your hobby club, to have people because you know clearly you're here <laughs> on the radio. Uh, yes, which, I was uh, which outs recognized. you right to yes. some degree. Okay. Yes, and that was interesting. So. I, I really just don't kind of go there. Uh-huh. Uh, a few have talked to me privately about it um, because there are dedicated listeners. That's right. Hi, I won't say your names. <laughs> um, you know, and um, 
So that was, that was interesting. It was a little bit of a, you know, cause I've been in this club for a few years and someone said, did I hear you on the radio? And it's like, well, yes, I think you probably did. <laughs> and <laughs> no story. Uh, Pierre, you work, uh, well, you, how would you describe your job without saying necessarily where you work? Well, but... I cannot, but I, where I work, everybody knows. Okay. And it created some different situations. Some people who would basically uh, high-five me in the bathroom. Some other giving me death threat. I mean, it went all Are you of, serious? Yeah, it, I am. Uh, this is where sometimes weighing 250 pounds and looking bad help people, you know? Right, right. Stay <laughs> away from me. But I'm just for an ass. example, because we've been in the media, in French media, in English media, uh, I could be recognized somewhere. So, I, like, for instance, you know, I'm a, a musician. And I'm in a new band, so I make sure that they, at some point, they understand that what I am. Okay. I don't want to discuss it, but I just want to make sure that they won't freak out if they recognize me. That's okay. all. And if they're not happy about what I am, well, screw them. Did you have, but at work, because you work, uh, it's a government... Uh, well, kind of, yeah. Right? right? Uh, so... Did you face any kind of hostility? I mean, I guess you said you got death threats. I don't. Did it make your? Did it make your work? Did it, how did it affect you in the workplace? No, because uh, at some point you have to. This is what you are. This is the way I am. If you're not happy about the way I am, that's your problem. All right. And if if you have a problem with this, well, I don't. But it has okay. nothing to do with the job. No, I mean, of course not. We thing, know right? that. It's, we know but, that. But we don't. It's like. Um, you know, I, I also work full time and actually at my job now, I'm, I'm, I don't really hide it, but because I don't talk about sex, I don't, I don't think they know. Okay. Um, but you don't know what they know. I, they just I don't, don't know make what you, they know. Right. But they're not making your environment, uh, for you anyway, uh, like hostile. Yes. No. Okay. And, and when I, I work at home now, but when I worked in the office, I was the only woman in the office. So hmm. normally I would kind of out myself, but I, I didn't because of that. Okay. Gary, what about you? Well, I mean, I've been really, really lucky. Uh, most of my adult life, I've worked in basically the gay world. Mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty much one of those gays that have had every one of the gay jobs except window dresser <laughs> and florist. But okay. I've been every other job. So for me, being – and also, I've looked the way I do for the last, like, 25 years. Right. So for it's, people who don't know, because this is radio, uh, Gary is tattooed from head to toe. Like, literally, his entire head is tattooed, neck – and yeah. Everything else. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the, most of my visible tattoos have been visible for about 10 to 15 years. So okay. I haven't really had to worry about it. Luckily. I mean, I have worked straight jobs as well. Um, and usually my, the, the judgment or anything I get has nothing to do with my sexuality or my sexual preferences or my kink lifestyle. It's about the way I look. And it's usually from people that just see a heavily tattooed person and don't see the person behind it. Well, the judgment, right? Yeah, that absolutely. Comes with it. Yeah, so yeah. that's a, and that's discrimination in general. So oh, again, yeah. whether you're tattooed and, and the assumptions people make, mm -hmm. whether you're gay and the assumptions people make, whether you belong to the swinger community and you have a, a, you know, that kind of lifestyle or whether you practice open relationships or whether you're into BDSM. I mean, there's many things that fall that's alternative that falls outside of the norm, right? And, uh, and how people view us and how we're, we could be discriminated against. I mean, this is again, you talked about blackmail. Like these are scary things still, mm -hmm. you know? So disclosing and being completely and freely who you are may not be, uh, a bad thing. so a bad thing, but it could also may not be so possible because you're taking 
a great risk. But coming up, I want to talk about some, a lot of people texted in about uh, their experiences. And I'm asking you, do you disclose your sexual preferences or your sexual experiences in the workplace? We'll get to that with Pierre and Catherine and Dane and uh, Gary uh, from for our, our alternative sexuality panel uh, tonight. Let's uh, check in with our CJD 800 Newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud. And you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Tonight on the program, do kinky people or people who practice any kind of alternative sexuality face possible discrimination at work? Now, that's a topic we don't often hear about, but I am going to address this with my kink panel tonight. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. All right. You can send me your uh, emails as well to uh, lori at drlaurie.com. Uh, this one by email. I am a very open person when it comes to relationships. I'll tell my partner anything. But I cannot seem to gather the courage to tell my girlfriend of almost a year now that I am an avid exhibitionist online. I enjoy when I masturbate to be watched by viewers online. I show everything from my face to my feet and the final ejaculation at the end. I have a strong feeling if I were to tell my girlfriend that I do this out of personal satisfaction, I feel like it would cause a rift in our relationship resulting in its end, which I obviously don't want. So how can I tell her in a way that is harmless yet still gets her to the understanding that I do this only when I masturbate and only keep the fun I have with my viewers strictly online. So I get that you may not think that you're doing anything wrong, but I'm not sure your girlfriend would see it that way. She might be quite upset with the fact that you kept this from her for a whole year. She might also feel that because you're doing this online with real people watching you and possibly interacting with you, that this is in fact a form of of cheating. Maybe you don't see it that way, but I bet she might see it that way. So I can't really think of a way to tell her that is like harmless, as you say. Um, if she asked you to stop because it made her very uncomfortable, the question is, could you? Could you stop? If the answer is no, then you need to evaluate what's important to you and whether this behavior is problematic to your life, since you might actually find it difficult to find a partner who is just okay with it. Um, frankly, whenever someone has a certain sexual preference that they feel they need in their life, like you'll see with our BDSM uh, panel tonight, then I believe it really should be discussed with a partner, not covered up and then found a way to sneak it in there or find some harmless way because it becomes more harmful when you keep it a secret because there's a sense of betrayal. How come you didn't tell me this very important thing about yourself, right? And and that's, uh, I think, the sensation or the feeling that a lot of people would have. I am a 21-year-old guy. For some reason, I'm really into older women. I'm trying to find someone who is in her late 
30s or early 40s, how do I do that? Well, the good online way, I would think, is uh, looking at dating sites that specialize in uh, cougars. Uh, So cougars are usually the older women who seek out younger guys, although it's not really a great name for it because it sounds like prey, you know. Um, But that would be the, the, the one that I would go to. And I think there's one called... Uh, uh, Cougar Life, CougarLife.com. And there's other sites too that lets you pick the age category you're looking for. You're just going to have to find someone who's looking for uh, the same thing as you. Uh, A texter at 514-800 says, I've seen an exhibitionist after work on Monday, broad daylight, no less, in a busy parking lot. A guy kept knocking on his window while I walked by and was masturbating with it out in the open. Unfortunately, I've actually had clients like this who do this compulsively. It's like it's a bit of an addiction, but exhibitionism is illegal because even though it's a, a... uh, it's a perversion, really, and it's still part of the DSM because it, you're doing this to unsuspecting people. They get off, exhibitionists usually get off on um, uh, the reaction of people who are unsuspecting of their behavior. Unlike the guy who, who just uh, emailed me when he was talking about it is he just likes to show himself having sex or masturbating, but not to unsuspecting people, people who actually either pay to, to see him or want to see him. So it's a little, that, that part's not illegal. This, what you're describing is very, is, is, is illegal and it's public indecency and you're not allowed to do this. So my suggestion is you should actually, uh, tell the police that, uh, that this is what you've seen, right? And uh, give them a description of the car, etc. So although I've seen clients like this, they're very disturbed by their own behaviors. Like it's, it, they feel this compulsion uh, to do this, but they need treatment. This, this requires treatment. A texter writes, I hope that's not still the same guy who wrote in a few months back regarding the exact same situation I don't remember that. Otherwise, he obviously didn't heed your advice the previous time, thereby still being stuck on square one. Uh, yeah, maybe so. Uh, texture writes, I, a 38-year-old female, have been in a long-term relationship with my boyfriend, uh, 38. I really enjoy giving blowjobs. However, I cannot improve my gag reflex at all. It's been over a year, and I gag all the time. He he likes the deep throating, and I'm sure it's a matter of time before I accidentally vomit. Uh, how does someone improve their gag reflex? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, some people have like a worse gag reflex than others, and uh, unfortunately, uh, but the the you you can practice this. Like you can practice with your own fingers. Like I think I answered this a while back. I had another question very similar to this where uh, you would use your own finger like as if you're going to make yourself throw up until you gag and then control it. And then little by little, uh, you start doing this and then you uh, eventually can start with the with the real thing. But you have to actually train yourself. Uh, if you just try every once in a while and he tries to, he tries to go deep into your throat. Yeah. You will gag and 
you know, possibly vomit if he doesn't take it out fast enough. So, uh, and if it's not for you and it's something that you can't do or um, that causes that much discomfort, then you're entitled to have your boundaries with that, right? 514-800 to text in, or you can always email me, laurie at drlaurie.com. I consider myself straight and I'm attracted in every way to women, but I sometimes watch gay or bi porn and I'm sometimes sexually attracted to guys. What would my orientation be? So that's a good question. Sexual orientation is not really black or white, straight or gay. There are a lot of shades of gray in all of this, and it exists on a continuum. Sexual orientation exists on a continuum. There's a psychologist who developed this, uh, this test called the Epstein Sexual Orientation Inventory, and it asks you all kinds of questions about things like whether you've experienced distress about your orientation, whether it has uh, changed over time, what your fantasy fantasies are, what your same-sex experiences are, and then it spits out a result that puts you somewhere on that uh, continuum. So you've got to bear in mind that most people fall along this continuum rather than being completely at one end or the other. So determining your orientation would have to take into account more than just one factor, which is just watching uh, uh, gay porn, for example. How you identify, self-identify, who you have sex with, who you fantasize about, and who you fall in love with. If you're interested in taking the test, it's mysexualorientation.com. That's mysexualorientation.com. Uh, coming up, do kinky people or people who engage in alternative sexual practices, legal ones, uh, face any kind of discrimination at least in the workplace. We'll find out when we check in with uh, our uh, kink panel. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJAD 800. Alternative sexuality, our panel tonight, do kinky people face discrimination and do you share your sexual practices with your coworkers, like I don't know why we would need to share our sexual practices, but what if it comes out? It's more about somebody else. Maybe you're close to one person and you're having a conversation, or maybe you're on your phone and something comes up, or your Instagram or something, and you kind of get outed. It's not like you outed yourself, but you get outed, uh, which could maybe bring on some certain complications, basically be based on people's. Um, you know, lack of experience, knowledge, whatever, and then which would cause some people to, I'm not, I don't know about discrimination per se, but certainly have these ideas about you, right? They form preconceived notions about, oh, you're one of those well, kind of things. You we know? often talk about the fact that kink is more and more in the mainstream. So, yeah, that's part of it. So yeah. that's helping a lot. You know, people see things, they see the movies that I don't want to name because I'm going to yell. Yeah. Uh, well, but it doesn't depict the real... But isn't that part of the problem is that the movies and the things that they show um, uh, in the media is not an accurate depiction of what actually goes on? It's not accurate, but at the same time, it gives an idea of what's it's happening. And the people realize there's more and more 
person that are involved in these things. Well, yeah, you know, except that I'm thinking of things like uh, CSI. You know, so CSI, the the victims, the crimes, victims, things. They've had quite a few episodes. Yeah. It's usually tied into some crime. It's like if that's all well, people see, what are you getting? You know what? I've been outed, and where I've had people that it's been years now, and it's certainly not the same relationship. And it's kind of sad because our relationship had nothing to do with my sexuality. You know, I'm in no way being sexual with them or inappropriate or doing anything any different. But I still have people that have now a distaste. And it's like, oh, well. They're they're judging (laughs) you. They are. I know this because as soon as I was at it, there's two or three people that, you know, most people are fine. And it's like, oh, well. That's that's their problem. You know, the best thing you can do if if you are at it to go, yeah, so what? What's changed? Nothing. Right. Pierre and Catherine are here, as is Dane Stewart and Gary Major, our, our alternative uh, sexuality panelists. Uh, let me just share a few text messages. Um, I usually don't disclose sexual experiences at work. Though once a coworker joked about whipping me with his earbud cord, how did he know I would like that? <laughs> I recently got closer to a coworker, and it turns out he may be kinkier than me in some ways. Uh, so there you go. There's uh, there's that, and that happened to you, Catherine, oh, when you sure. started op- <laughs> when you were outed or whatever. Yeah. Then people were coming to you and saying, "Absolutely, Ooh, I'm into that too." Uh, another text writes, I've been involved in the scene for decades without incidents from coworkers. Many celebrities on radio and television are involved. The secret is being discreet. So discretion. Certainly. But at the same time, being discreet or keeping it secret has uh, its own problem. Because if somebody finds out in any ways... Like we were talking about uh, being blackmail or something like this. Well, I think it's more the discretion, I think, is more uh, you keep my secret, I keep yours. I think is more uh, uh, the the way that discretion should be viewed in this sense. Like, it's not like I'm going to keep myself all bottled up and never mm-hmm. tell anyone. But I think it's more of like if you happen to see a coworker at an event or you happen to see a celebrity right. at an event, yes. you don't go blabbing it to the rest right. of your office. Yes, you keep exactly. it discreet. And as long as you're discreet and they're discreet, there's no problems involved. Yes, I, li- I like that. And it's true because uh, if you happen to go to a, let's say, a swingers club or a kink party, and you run into somebody you know there, well, they're there for the same reasons you're there. Absolutely. So it's like you kind of form your own little club. It's like wink, wink. When you get to the office, it's a little bit different. But also the discretion would be not to necessarily flaunt anything too. So don't be overly sexual at work or talk about sexuality in, in such a way that makes other people uncomfortable. Is another thing that maybe people have trouble with. So um, somebody said, could this be considered sexual harassment legally? I wonder about that. If somebody discriminates against you because of your sexual practices, is that a form of sexual harassment? Um, You have to prove it, which is kind of hard sometimes. You have to understand, too, that you cannot get fired from your job if you're gay, BDSM, swinger, or anything like this. But they can fire you if you're late often or if they don't say that your your production is good. So you have to be careful with this. Right. But... Yeah, I don't think it would be sexual harassment so much as it would be just harassment and bullying or anything like that. Like, I think there is there is definitely laws against the things that 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 could be used for. But I don't think it would be sexual harassment. I think it almost would be sexual harassment in the opposite way. If you were 
indiscreet at work and you were constantly talking about sex or you're constantly talking about your sex you life, could be accused you could of be that. accused yes. of sexual harassment Absolutely. but i don't think the other way would be like i think it would be more just harassment or bullying right. in itself here's a, an interesting thing i'd be worried about my parents finding out yikes so you guys can tell me about how did <laughs> how do your parents feel about it? do they know what do they know I mean, Dane? my parents know okay. <laughs> well, because they're my there, friends on Facebook and my Facebook profile is okay. very, very public. <laughs> um, okay. But my parents are the sort of people who we don't really talk about <laughs> these sorts That's of funny. things. Okay. Um, like when they initially found out that I was gay, um, they sent me an email. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, parents of gay children listening, <laughs> when, you're, when you find out your kid's gay, don't send them an email. What did they say in their <laughs> email? I'm sure I still have the email. It was very, very supportive, and I really appreciate that. Um, but uh, again, I would have <laughs> appreciated a phone call, maybe a bit more. Oh um, and so, and even after that, it took maybe two or three years before we were really comfortable talking about um, that aspect of my sexual identity. And now that they also know that I'm kinky, again, it's one of those things that they know. We don't really talk about it. I'm kind of okay with that. I don't really want to talk to my parents right. about right. the intimate details of my sex life. Um, Nor do you want to hear about theirs. No. Right. Though I am the product of that, so... (laughs) What about you, Gary? Uh, For me, my parents don't know, but it's not, it's never been an issue for me. Like parental discretion or or knowledge is not an issue. So I don't ever really care about it. I do have relatives that know about my entire life because they are Facebook friends with me and I don't have the separate profiles and they've never said anything to me about it. So they don't ever question you or anything like that. This texter wants to know, uh, why did uh, you decide to get tattooed all over? (laughs) Is that a kink? Oh, absolutely. It can can totally be a kink. Uh, For me, it wasn't a kink. It was, uh, I grew up, uh, my my father was a biker and all of his friends were bikers. And so my friends, so my sexual fantasies when I was growing up were all about bikers and bikers were heavily tattooed. And so I always, in my fantasies and in my dreams and in myself, I always envisioned myself being heavily tattooed and being a part of that world. and, well, but you're not a biker. But I'm not a biker, no. Okay. But I still have that attraction to that kind of like rough and tumble, obviously, because I'm in the kink world right. and, and I am a submissive uh, by by nature. So, okay. yeah. So. Was your uh, dad, how did he take it when you came out to him? Uh, well, I, I mean, he took it like any father does. I, I, I came out, uh, you know, uh, like 30 years ago. So it's a, it was a little different time yeah. back then. Uh, I didn't get an email. Uh, uh, didn't have email then uh, yeah we didn't have email i think we were still using birds at that point um but uh you know he he, uh, we're i come from a family of very much we keep our problems and our issues at home and don't talk about them to the world where i i've kind of changed that so (laughs) clearly holy crap uh coming out when you're a kinkster uh, we've got four kinky people in studio with me uh, talking about this, so we can continue to talk about the uh, the coming out process. Plus, I will go back to answering some of your general uh, sex and relationship uh, texts and emails, so send them in before the end of the program at 514-800, and I'll be happy uh, to answer them. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJAD 800. This is our Kink Night once a month. We bring uh, together a panelist of uh, uh, kinksters, I guess, people <laughs> who practice different kinds of 
uh, kinky sexuality or at least alternative uh, sexuality. We're talking about uh, the the coming out, not the process of coming out, but what happens when you are outed when you don't want to be outed and do you face any kind of uh, discrimination with that and why is it even necessary to share uh, what you do in the bedroom? Like do people who are vanilla go around saying this is what I do? Like I like this position or that position or we don't. Uh, we wouldn't even think about it, but yet people who are in the kink world and who maybe go to events and maybe could be seen by others in public uh, have face a, a very different kind of, of uh, worry, I guess, with being outed. We've got uh, Pierre, Catherine, Dane, uh, Dane Stewart, and Gary Major in studio with me, all practitioners. And by the way, uh, if you have any questions, general questions about sexuality, send them along the last couple of minutes of the show. I'll be happy to answer them at 514-800. We were talking uh, earlier about the tattooing. And mm. is and I noticed that, well, both uh, Gary and Dane are, you've got quite a few tattoos too, Dane, not as much as, uh, <laughs> Gary, you're probably the guy I've, I've seen the most tattoos on <laughs> ever. Uh, but is there a relationship between that and uh, kinky behavior, like kinky experiences, well, behaviors? Whatever? Well, I think so. I think it's like it, it's it's it, like with tattooing. I mean, certain certainly everyone can have a tattoo, and a lot of people have one little tattoo here, a couple little tattoos there, and it has nothing to do with their their kink or their life or their right. their sexuality. It just has to do with the fact that they want to make themselves pretty in that little spot. So, and and but it can also go to an extreme, like me, where okay. it kind of becomes part of my of my sexuality and my kink uh like a lot of people will look at me or will approach me because i have a specific look that will turn them on in a kinky setting uh and the same thing goes for me i i tend to be more attracted to the ones that have absolutely no tattoos Interesting. because okay uh because i do like that like wow you haven't even broken your skin yet that's amazing <laughs> Especially in this day and age. Well, we make assumptions too, though, like even with uh, other body modifications like piercings, for example. Mm -hmm. If you see somebody who, what do we call, like tongue piercings, people make assumptions that they must love oral sex or they, or genital piercings, mm -hmm. or you think of, why do they call it a tramp stamp, you know, the, the back tattoo? Like, why is it associated with being slutty? Mm -hmm. You know, like, so there's assumptions that, unfortunately, that we do make that are not necessarily based in truth. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, like I said before, I said the only the only time I've ever really been discriminated against is on my look. Uh, it has nothing to do with what comes out of my mouth. I look amazing on paper. My CV like will <laughs> blow most people away. But as soon as I get into that interview, that's when I get discriminated against. I bet and, you'd be fine on a phone interview. Oh, I'm amazing on right. a phone interview. Uh, but that's exactly it. And, and it's it's if people can get past that that first initial like oh my uh, response. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a normal, I'm fairly normal person, I guess, and and I I am well, you know, well spoken, and I I, I can get along with a lot of people, uh, but yeah, the the discrimination definitely comes from that immediate response to my look, right. Oof. A couple of texts here. Uh, good evening to you all. I come from an Indian background and our parents never spoke to us about sexuality like white people do. They are open-minded about sexuality. I learned mm. everything in school uh, growing up in high school, so except sorry. that white people are not. That, that's, that's what I was right? That's, 
I don't think it's, yes, certain cultures, maybe there is uh, less talk about it, but you can generalize about the Caucasian people as being open-minded, more open-minded, because there's the whole Catholic thing. There's so, so many other factors that come into play besides just your cultural heritage or your where you come from culturally. Though it does play a, a part. There yeah, are uh, certain certain cultures that are very, very strict. But then as well, when you look back in their history, are very, very, very sexual. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as, a, as a white person, uh, my family certainly didn't talk to me about sex and would never have even brought up the subject. Um, and yeah, and that was never, never <laughs> even a possibility. So. <laughs> well, no, my family also never talked talked about it but i so before i was talking about how i feel sort of an obligation to be a bit more public about mm -hmm. my kinky lifestyle uh, because i think that's the way that we can affect change and change public opinion um and when we're talking about workplace discrimination uh there are tons of types of discrimination that people face at the workplace based on sex gender uh based on race um and so for me as a, as a white man who's very well educated especially in t in subjects of sexuality you know i occupy a pretty significant position of power uh no matter what space i'm in uh so because of that i'm able to to be a bit more public without having as much risk attached to it right. um and so i can see from from the perspective of uh you know a person of color or uh you know uh maybe a woman's perspective uh, there can be a bit more risk and a bit more fear in doing that, um, hmm, uh, which is one of the reasons that I feel like I, I should be. Wonderful. And the last comment, I heard that ink used in tattoos could cause blood complications. Are you afraid about of your health? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll end right there. Uh, I'm going to answer a couple more questions. Panelists, thank you so much. Pierre and Catherine, BDSMcircle.com. Dane Stewart can be found at talkingproductions.ca. And Gary Major, you can go visit him at Mr. Bear, mm -hmm. a fetish store in, uh, in the village. So let me get to a couple of questions uh, that have come through that I want to answer. Is it inappropriate if you are at the hospital and you hear a male staff member speaking to another about a female doctor who he is interested in and her schedule. I was so creeped out that he would say this loudly down the hall so a young woman who is trying to get a medical procedure and female staff can hear. I understand that straight guys talk about women 24-7. Uh, that's a big uh, generalization. But can't they choose a place other than work so they don't make staff and patients uncomfortable? They should do as females do and discuss things of this nature in the washroom. That's why maybe uh, women go to the washroom in pairs. I don't know, maybe. Uh, that's a, a good question. And that actually should be, I think, you can talk to a, a superior about this because it makes if it makes other workers uncomfortable to hear this kind of uh, talk or then absolutely it should be called out because uh, it makes the environment unpleasant and we all have a right to live to to work in a in a non-hostile environment which means that that we feel safe and not uh, with all of this discomfort if things are not uh, are not appropriate absolutely and just going back I had answered a question uh, somebody had texted in about uh, deep throating and I was talking about practicing with uh, like the gag reflex uh, with your own fingers this person writes actually it's very unhealthy to practice sticking your fingers down your throat if you're easily prone to gagging considering the stomach acid rising up your throat 
Likewise, as an acid reflux could be damaging to the esophagus and with repetition could eventually thin it out, thereby being subject to cancer, uh, blah, blah. So uh, I get it. I, I, I don't think I would... Um, not, I wouldn't recommend doing it to the point where bile is coming up, uh, not to get to that point. So it's probably a little tricky to figure out how to get, how to do it before you even reach that point. Anyhow, if you have questions, uh, you can send them in throughout the week and I'll answer them at, uh, during the show. Uh, so send them in at, uh, to Lori at drlaurie.com, Lori at drlaurie.com. That's it for me. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me, with us and my panelists. Uh, Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or go straight to my website at drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. All the news you need to hear right here on CJD. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Tap your feet, come on, just tap